0: There's no more appropriate passage than John 4, the Samaritan woman. And so, what do you think will determine, what do you think will firstly reveal your heart, and reveal what is on your heart, and then determine your destiny? Because what is on your heart and my heart will determine our destiny. And so, did you hear, and here you are in person, I do not know how you have experienced the last one hour, are you still awake? Are you still conscious? Are you still able to listen? Yep. So you could be here physically, externally, but I do not know where your heart is. Right? So you know the earthquake has shattered southeastern Turkey. And now it's been, I don't know, 12, 13 days after it struck 7.8 magnitude earthquake. 261 hours later, they discover Mustafa Af uh, C, 33 years old. I hope I pronounced that correctly. 261 hours later, by the grace of God, he's rescued from the rubble. I want to ask you what you think was his first question or his first remark when he was rescued. You want to hazard a guess? His first question was, How is my mother? Your heart reveals. Who is really or what is really precious to you? Obviously for him, his mother was precious to him. That through it all, whatever he has suffered, his injuries, the first thought that came to his mind as he reached and breathed in oxygen and saw light of day was to ask his friend on the phone, How is my mother? And a friend on the phone crying in disbelief, as much disbelief as Pastor Jeff and Max expressed just then. We've been in this. We've known each other 40 years. Is it possible that God should actually save us? His friend says to him, everyone is well. They are all waiting for you. I'm coming for you. And so what does that have to do with us? I mean, 45,000 people died. It's far away in Turkey. And we are so blessed in Singapore not to be in a zone of natural disasters. We don't have no natural disasters. In fact, the complaint of of Singaporeans is, life is so boring. Please don't ask for that boredom to be shattered. There's a difference between life is orderly and life is boring. They are two very different things. And so did you realise that we send 68 SCDF men to Turkey? Do you read the news at all? 68. If you were the father, if you were the wife, you were the sister, you were the daughter of, a, of this team, you would be prayerful for them. And so they were deployed in Turkey for 10 days. And on the ground, they were involved in two successful rescues, extracting a 12-year-old boy from the rubble of a three-story building and helping to locate a man trapped in a semi-collapsed building. And so they arrived home to a hero's welcome. How come you're not there? I didn't see you there. All these things happened. And they reveal the hearts, the things that we do, and so I want to say to you, right? in this passage, there's a very important thing, that your thirst, what you thirst for, reveals who you are. And what you thirst for will determine your destiny. What you long for in your heart but do not display out there, will determine, will reveal and determine. So we speak about this as bucket list. The things I must do, die, die, must eat, die, die, must go to this place, So the must, how far will you go to accomplish your bucket list? What price will you pay? What pain will you bear to accomplish your bucket list? And so the must-do things, the things that weigh upon your heart, comes to the fore in this encounter of Jesus with a Samaritan woman at a well. So a possible outline of John 4 is this. What is it? a must or to die for journey. So sometimes you take a journey and say, ah, oh, this was a wasted journey. And Jesus, did He take a wasted journey to Samaria, through Samaria? And then this is a must, to die for meeting. You go to so many appointments, there are so many meetings in your workplaces, and most of the time, oh, another wasted meeting, another wasted meeting. Was this a wasted meeting of Jesus? And last but not least, was this a wasted journey, a wasted meeting And what on earth is the implications of this appointment with the Samaritan woman for us, for her? And so we need to pick it up from here. And the word is this, And Jesus had to, in brackets I put it there, the Greek word for had to is there. The English word is, it was necessary right, to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So the important thing about Psyche is Jacob's well. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, what is the description of Jesus? And we are homing on this. We'll leave it for now. He was weary. He was tired. In the words of the writers, the word there says, he was exhausted. When was the last time you are really tired? You are really overwhelmed. You are really exhausted. And you say, every day. As Singaporeans, every day. As he was from his journey, and was sitting beside the well, it was about the sixth hour. And so we need to explore the word had to, necessary. What does it mean? So is it a geographic had to? I know the, it's a bit small. That's why we keep asking you, sit in front. Lah. Okay. And the benefit of sitting in front. So pick it up from the south, down south, Judea. Ju- Jesus is there. And he's headed towards Galilee up north. The shortest way is through Samaria, Sychar. But if you are a true blue Jew... You want to have nothing to do with Samaritans. You know why? Because the hostility, the animosity between them ran for centuries deep in their veins. Right? So a truly faithful Jew would make the effort to bypass that, do a detour, you see the arrow thing, would do a detour, swing around, cross the River Jordan, and then swing back. And so we ask ourselves, the had to. is this a geographic must-do? It's the shortest distance and not the easiest place. You know why? Because I understand in going to Samaria, it is an incline, it's uphill. In fact, the word is you climb an escarpment. You know what an escarpment is? When was the last time you climbed an escarpment? The only, the only equivalent here is climb Bukit Timah Hill. Right? Have you climbed Bukit Timah Hill? How fast? Did you arrive there breathless? Or did you avoid it altogether? I brought my 90 plus year old mother... And for one last walk, I said, Mommy, Oisai, Mommy, can in Teochew. She said, I'll try. Step by step by step, she made it right to the top. Right to the top. Great effort just to be with us for an outing, which turned out to be one of her best outings, right, in her 90s. Had to pass, shortest in distance, steepest in incline and difficulty, but riskiest spiritually. What do you mean? That this was a divine necessity. This is God's sovereignty. And how does God's sovereignty work out? God's sovereignty works out humanly. There are no wasted experiences under God's sovereignty. And so Jesus walks to Samaria. It's intentional. It's a divine necessity. He goes to that. But to really understand this, we pick it up. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For why? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, should ask me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So very quickly, Jew-Samaritan hostility. Right? The Jews considered Samaritans half-breeds. Pariah. You must never call a person a half-breed because that's derogatory. You want to pick a fight with somebody, you call them hard breed. For many years we call our mixed breed dogs in Singapore parias. That word was given to us by the English, mixed breed. We now coin a new word for mixed breed dogs in Singapore, Singapore special. <laughs> it's not a curated breed, but it's special. Right? And so, no such thing between Jew and Gentile. A Jew sees a Samaritan, they won't call you special. You are just a dog. Because you betrayed us. They had their own version of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Their own version of how God saved them. They had their own temple at the Mount of Gerizim. And that would lead up to discussion. They hated each other. So as we sit here in Singapore, we've got three major races. Chinese, Malays, Indians. I ask you, as I ask again, is there any race which you hate in your guts? You have to settle those things that in our fallen world, in our sinful nature, you and me are very prone to discrimination across barriers. And you see Jesus crossing barriers, barriers of animosity, deep hatred where people hate each other across the centuries in their guts. And so, that is why a divine necessity that He should make the effort, climb the escarpment, and step by step as He goes there, He crosses barriers. What barriers? Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. They will never drink from the same utensil or vessel. According to the words of Rabbi Eliezer, Jews eating bread of Samaritans is like eating flesh of a pig of a swine. That is filth. That is something that will make you unclean. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Right? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well, drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give, will never be thirsty again. A bit of background is very important, right? And so they think that this well, right? And Pastor Joe, who just went with Deacon Brian to Israel, says, they went to Jacob's well, right? It's still there. It's 100 plus feet deep. Can you imagine 100, uh, 100 plus feet? So what is this? You think in terms of meters. How many meters is this? To the ceiling. What do you think? 30 meters? Right? 100 feet is 30 meters. It's really deep. It's like a four-story building. It's that deep. And Jesus arrives at a well, and he arrives at a well without anything to get that water. In the 1960s, that's how we grew up in Malaysia, where I grew up, and in Singapore. You do not have pipe water to your house. You go to a common tap. If your parents sent you there, you don't ever say, I went to the tap. That I went to the tap, but I forgot to bring the pail. Jesus went to the well, but he had nothing to drink from. Is he forgetful? It's the most foolish thing to arrive at a well, at a watering hole, with no receptacle to collect that water. She went to the well. It was noontime. What on earth is happening? Because of time, we have to summarize, get to the heart of this. The water that I'll give him will become a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And so, is this bucket list a must-have meeting? I'm, Jesus says, I must have this meeting with this Samaritan woman, a Jewish holy man and a rabbi, an immoral Samaritan woman, two people who should not be socialising with each other, let alone Jesus having an appointment set in his heart. He's always doing things according to God's divine calendar. The hour, the hour, the hour. We met that in chapter 2. So he breaks racial barriers. He breaks religious barriers. He breaks men-women barriers and crosses and brought together by a common thirst. They are both thirsty. But what is Jesus' thirst? The first thing to pick up as we summarise, Right? She draws water. Jesus has nothing to draw water. She pleads Jacob's ancestry. Jesus proclaims he's greater than Jacob. Humanly, Jesus needs her for water. Spiritually, she needs Jesus for living waters. And so you find the word eternal life. And when was the first time you met eternal life? John 3.16. And the first person who's offered eternal life is a Samaritan woman. Want me to say that in slow motion? the first person who's offered eternal life besides Nicodemus is a Samaritan woman whom in the eyes of the Jews don't deserve this. And the living waters is equal to eternal life. So what does that mean? Right. Salvation is a pilgrimage. She gets increasing revelation of who Jesus is. And when an increasing revelation comes increasing response that firstly calls him Rabbi, then are you a prophet? You know, that I got, you know that I got six men in my life, at least six men in my life, and the man you're living with now is not your husband? So she's an immoral woman and a adulterous woman. And now, could you be the Messiah? And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am He. From a Jewish background, I am is very huge because it was the first introduction of God to Israel through Moses. God calls Moses in a burning bush and says to him, Tell my people, I've heard their cries. I understand their pain. I'm going to walk into their pain and rescue them. I'm going to redeem them. And who do you tell them? You tell them that I am send you. Why don't you say that to your neighbour? I am send me. That sounds a bit ridiculous, right? A bit vague. And slowly they get to know the I am. So all the I am sayings are huge. So, her understanding of Jesus, increasing revelation from rabbi, ordinary teacher, to prophet, you know all about my life, to could you be the Messiah? I who speak to you am He. And so, humanity and divinity all roll into one. Son of man, Son of God, in chapter 3, now in chapter 4. So, a lesson of thirsting and hungering. What is your bucket list? And so, for this woman, to be fair to her, right, to be fair to her, a woman who has no Father, a woman who has no husband, a woman who has no brothers, a woman without a man in the ancient world, was a woman at risk. That's not a sexist statement. That was just a reality statement. And that's why God built into Israel's life that all the women will never be disenfranchised and cut off from God's blessing if they ever lose their husbands. The line will continue. The inheritance will continue. Who says God is sexist? He's the one who goes after. And look at Jesus. There is no greater lover of women, spiritually, truly and purely, than the Lord Jesus Christ. He offers eternal life, firstly to who who is spiritually blind. And then he climbs up this escarpment in his tiredness. And so what barriers does he break? A lesson of Jesus' thirst, I take you there. And we now are in chapter 7 of John, that's fast-forwarding. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Again? Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he had said about the spirit, whom he had, who believe in him were to achieve, whom those who believe in him. For as yet, the spirit had yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. By chapter 7, To believe in the the Son is to receive the Spirit. And when Jesus is risen, He'll pour the Spirit out. And so eternal life equal to living waters. Living waters equals to eternal life. Given by Jesus, applied and offered to you through the work of the Spirit. But there's one verse in John that you should be conscious of. When Jesus hangs on the cross, they say there are seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. And one of the sayings of Jesus on the cross is, And one of the sayings of Jesus on the cross is is John 19, verse 28, 29, I thirst. And you ask yourself, what is it that Jesus is thirsting for? Is He thirsting for water? But you offer Him sour wine to dull His pain, is that right? Is Is He thirsting for God's will? Is He thirsting for God's glory? And God's will and God's glory is what? is thirsting for the lives and the souls of people. And as He hangs on the cross, His focus is not on His pain and His suffering. His focus is thirsting for us, for our salvation. If that is a valid and true interpretation of Jesus' real thirsting and hungering. And what is Jesus' real hunger? It says here, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And we understand that, then Jesus' bucket list is totally different. A contrast of our thirst and hunger as seen in the woman, right? How much we long for something or someone reveals how, hard, how far our heart is from God. Reveals how much we idolise anyone or anything besides God. And we see it in this woman. And so our bucket list is totally Jesus' different to Jesus, our bucket list is, before Max dies, before Jeff dies, before Chris dies, I must eat this. I must do this. For Jesus' bucket list, because I die, I will speak the gospel to Nicodemus. Because I die, I will walk through Samaria. Though everybody will misunderstand this, beginning with her, I'll walk to Samaria and offer them the good news that God has come to offer eternal life, that God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And so the contrast of thirst and hunger, how much Jesus longs for us, reveals how much God loves us. It's totally different. How much we long for something or someone shows how much we idolise people and forsake God. How much Jesus longs for us reveals how much God loves us. God so loved the world. God so loved you. And so, she goes off and tells her whole town. And the Samaritans come and say, He is the saviour of the world. Notice the Samaritans do not come out and say, He is the saviour of Samaritans. He didn't, they don't come and say, He is the saviour of Jews. He is the saviour of the world. So Jesus comes come to save Israel. He's come to save Samaritans. And then the healing of the official son, most likely under the... the employment of the Roman thing, and the scholars say, could this be the movement of the mission? From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth? As God promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as Jesus promised, you do not go on this mission until I poured my Spirit on you, and when I poured my Spirit on you, you will go out. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's 2,000 years later, and we are speaking the gospel in Singapore. And men and women are believing in Jesus. So whether you were born to a Christian home, whether you never knew Jesus, and you went in and out of prison 30 years, 40 years, no one is ever too far away from God, too deep in sin, too hardened in heart, for Jesus to love and Jesus to save. So our new bucket list must be, because... Jesus died. He comes and breaks all barriers. Racial barriers, class barriers, gender barriers. And I said, I'll return and finish with this, right? When you are tired, what does tiredness do to you? Ask all those who play games. When are you sharpest in a game? Start of a football game. Start of a badminton game. Every shot you take is sharp. Every drop you make is sharp. In tennis or whatever you play, By the end of 90 minutes, who plays, who wins the soccer game? It's the fitness. Tiredness makes you cowards. Whenever you read in the Bible and it says Jesus was tired, that is the full display of His humanity. And at the same time, He knew everything about this woman, a full display of His divinity, all rolled into one. And so Jesus not just crossed the race barrier, the religious barrier, the man-woman barrier, personally for him, as he climbed the escarpment looking for a woman he shouldn't be looking for under the sovereignty of God in God's hour of salvation, he had to cross the tiredness barrier. That's Jesus. I do not know who you stop loving when you're tired. I do not know how loose, how unkind you are in your words when you're tired, how loose you are with your tongue when you're tired. How loose you may be with your hands and your feet when you're tired. Jesus crossed that tiredness barrier to reach this Samaritan woman. And what is that a display of? The word becomes flesh. The technical word is incarnation, not carnation milk. Incarnation. If that's too big for it, incarnation, four syllables. God loves you enough to do something about you. God cares for you enough to do something about you. And so Philippians 2 will say he left the glories of heaven to become a man and he took on not just any man. He could have become a politician. Uh, he could have become the chief priest but he came as a form of a servant and he died on the cross. He came, he came, he came. He downsized, he downsized. He broke into your world. If you believe in Jesus, the word become flesh. You break barriers. You don't build barriers. And you cross every barrier to reach people. And so it's very important to enter and to know what the other person is facing in their life. So I do not know whether you are tired as a parent with young children. We just had 10, 11 children baptized here, right? And sometimes, you know, tiredness as parents of young children, right? You want to give up. You want to discipline your child out of malice, not out of truth and goodness. And you may have a special needs child. And every night you pray and you read scriptures, you do not know whether anything is going into this child. Every child is special. And then a special needs child needs special attention. And sometimes, you, by the grace of God, when you're so tired, when you want to give up on praying, on reading, you don't know what goes on in the mind of this child. But you don't give up and you enter that world. You know how important it is? Somewhere along the line it will click that this mother, that this father loves me despite all their tiredness. And so one of our church members, right, brother passed away, brother passed away. Then I rang him in Malaysia. I did his wedding. He has a wonderful brother in Christ. And then I say, I saw in the obituary your, your brother passed away in his 40s. What happens? It's very sudden illness and passed away in his 40s and he how many children do you have? You have four kids, all under eight years old. As pastors, we enter into people's joy at their weddings. As pastors, we journey and cry with them when they lose their loved ones. And so I felt the sting in my heart, the pain in my heart, just thinking that it could be my own son or daughter passing away in the 40s, leaving behind four young children. We enter into each other's world. When was the last time? So we highly we say to you in ending, right? How much we thirst and hunger. Jesus come to save Israel. Jesus come to save the Samaritans. How much we thirst and hunger for people's salvation and people's growth in godliness. So in you know, a personal devotions, pray to enter into people's life, beginning with the innermost circle. Do you know what an old person faces as they age, as they feel as they face illness? When you are young and you face illness, you just pop, you just pop a Panadol. You see your GP, and tomorrow or two weeks time, you'll be well. For an old person who is aged and has illness, there is no wellness at the end of the treatment. There is only when will death take me. You ever entered the world of your father, your mother, your grandfather, to know that the elderly suffer this, the helplessness and the hopelessness. That's incarnation. You take time to enter their world. You take time to enter a child's world. When was the last time you entered the world of your, your husband and your wife? I've known Mona since kindergarten. Went to primary school together. Went to secondary school together. There's nothing I can bamboozle her. I say, when I was young, I beat five fellows like Bruce Lee. You know? She sat beside me in class. There's nothing I can bamboozle her. So though I know for 50 places, I must still make the effort to enter her world. Because a man's world and a woman's world is different. How a woman loves a man, how a man loves a woman is different. How a woman raises children is different. How a woman raises grandchildren is different. And I just step into the world and see that's why she does what she does. It takes time. It takes you bowing on your knees and saying, show me how to enter people's world and people's pain and give them the love and joy that you alone can give. Amen? So that's what the, the one thing I'm going to leave with you as we end our time together. This is the message of the Gospel. And flowing to this, so our marketplace ministry has begun. I see our members inviting their friends to come, unafraid, in the banking district, willing to tell your colleagues, willing to tell your boss, please come to this. Actually, they you invite your boss so their the boss will be converted and be nicer to them and get promoted. You know, how much courage? Every time I see our people inviting people to come. And so the family conference is on. Are you going to sign up for this? Bring your friends along? The church camp and the Gettys are on? And you have to pay for some of this. Most things are free. So a ticket for the Gettys is $50. A ticket for Gettys is maybe $100. But $50 to bring your friend into the kingdom? Can't afford, can't? Cannot. You spend, you waste a lot more money on other things that don't bring anybody anywhere except put on weight on your body. So enter into people's world. And this year, I just give you one. Just pray for one person, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your friend, that you want to enter into their world and petition for them and have the mind of Christ to save them. Let's stand and pray together. musicians come forward to prepare themselves if sing this closing song may we always humble ourselves to listen to god's voice may we always begin as we approach the holy god confessing and today especially confessing as we listen to the word of god as we listen to the gospel so graciously given by god that we thirst and long we thirst and hunger always for the wrong things and the wrong people in life. And all the things that we thirst and hunger for lead us into idolatry and far from the worship and love of the true and living God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you so loved the world, that you gave your only Son, that whoever believes in him Shall not perish, but have eternal life. For you did not send your Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So we do not stand here merely exposed and finally condemned. We stand here saved if we now believe Jesus. Believe Jesus for who he is. We thank you for this beautiful record of your beautiful heart, Lord Jesus, that you went out of your way to break all barriers and you were not bothered by what others would think about you. You were more concerned by the burden God put upon your heart, Lord Jesus, that this message would be for the Jews, would be for the Samaritans, would be for the whole world. Who are we to deserve your love? And pray that in understanding the word has become flesh, that you love enough and care enough to enter our world, may we pray to be so transformed from above, that we will be incarnational in our hearts, in our ministry, entering the world of the people you put in our heart, to know them, to treasure them, to love them, forgive them, and to grow together with them. And we ask the Lord that you will do this for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.